everyone. Welcome back to the Final Tackle Podcast. We've actually got our first episode of our new segment, All Inspiring Aussies. Roll the intro. And we're back. Um, so basically, as I said to everyone, this is our first ever All Inspiring Aussies episode. And it's Remembrance Day at the moment in Australia. In America, it's Veterans Day, um, which is very similar, and where we look back on all the unfortunate wars that have had to happen, and we remember all of the people who have served and unfortunately lost or given their lives for their country, and also the ones who have served, currently serve, and everything in between to do with our military. And I think what better way than to start it off the awe-inspiring Aussies segment with a good mate of mine, and he's an Australian Afghanistan veteran, uh, Kevin Bodley Cook. Thank you for joining us here, mate. No worries, buddy. How you going? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Um, so I guess let's start off with the first talking point and whatnot. Um, let's let's hear about um a bit of your childhood. You know, you're growing up, and you know, did any of your fam serve, or you know, and then you went to serve, etc. Give us a bit of a rundown of the kid before the soldier. Yeah, well, I grew up in Marsden. Um, oh, yeah? And attended the same school as Cameron Smith. Oh, wow. Far out. Um, yeah, um, my great-grandfather um, served in World War One. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, as a kid, I never had any intentions of um, serving in the military. I always wanted to play football or become a lawyer or something. Yep. Um, and, yeah... Uh, I just decided one night after watching a movie that I was going to do it. Okay, and if you could let us know like what the process was back then compared to what it is now, because I know there's a you session, your options unlimited, where you do like an aptitude test sort of thing, and then you if you get approved through that, you then you know go through all the tests, this that the other, the fitness tests before you can even go to basic training. Was it was it different or very different back when you joined, or was it much of the same sort of thing as it is now? Yeah, well, by the sounds of it, it sounds pretty similar. Um, I initially rang up, mm-hmm. um, got the interview. Uh, back then, you had to have um, a, a sound, uh, like sorry, a pass in English yep. and maths equivalent grade nine. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, you'd go in there, you'd do your fitness test and whatnot. Okay. And, um, yeah, then you'd once you've done all that, you'd, you do your aptitude test and um, yeah, you go through the Kapuka. So it sounds like a pretty same, um, same format. Sort of, same sort of format. Yeah, nice. Um, and what year did you enter the military, mate? Uh, 2005. 2005. Okay, so that's roughly about 14 years ago. Um, Correct, yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you could give us a little bit of a rundown about Kapuka, which is the Australian Army basic training, or was it not Kapuka back then and it was somewhere else that you went for basic training? No, uh, it was Kapuka. Um, so you, you'd initially you'd do Kapuka, your basic training, and then from there you'd go on and do, do your job uh, and whatnot. Your, your job training at, at various locations yeah, uh, nice. around the country. Nice. Uh, so if you um, could give us a bit of a rundown as to what the limitations were at um, Kapuka, which is located in Wagga Wagga, in the sense of like where you're not allowed contact with the outside world while you while you, you were doing your basic training or this that the other, and what was it like doing the basic training compared to you know civilian life? Yeah, well, um, like again, um, growing up, all I did was play sport. So 
I wasn't used to uh, a lot of the uh, pressure that was put on me when I first walked in Kapuka. So uh, I remember quite clearly the first day they come on the bus and they told us to get off the bus and line up. Um, we had to hand over our phones uh, mm-hmm. and personal belongings straight away. Okay. Um, they pretty much dressed us down and it was very um, difficult, not so much uh, physically, but uh, mentally draining um, because it was long hours and long days. And, and back then I was 21 years old and uh, just before no, sorry, I was 20 years old and yeah, it was just wasn't a, a mental thing that I was used to. And, um, you know, they, they broke me down and uh, pulled me back up and, you know, I, I come through pretty much with flying colours, so... Yeah, nice. Um, and from there, as you said, from Kapuka, you then go and do, you know, your job training in other places. Where did you go across Australia for the job that you did and what was the job that you had in the military? Yeah, so I went to only one place and that was uh, Pakapanyal. I went to Pakapanyal, okay. Yeah, um, um, that was... My, my on-the-job training was artillery at the School of Artillery there. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. Um, so and yeah, I spent six weeks there. Okay, yep. Yeah, doing the job training and uh, getting taught signals. Okay. And um, basic gunnery uh, for 155 howitzers oh, and 105 wow. medium battery. So, um, oh, wow. yeah. Which one did you sort of specialize in? The howitzers or the 105s or the, yeah? Yeah, well, the one, the 155, um, that was... The 155, okay. Yeah, that was the gun that I started off okay, on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I actually moved to... Um, to to the hill so uh basically okay. artillery have two parts of it they have the, the gunnery side of things and then they have the hill and the hill um they do a lot of map to ground and calling in targets yep um bomb wise and etc yeah nice um so my mum is just currently in the lounge and she was a sergeant in the australian army and she heard me talk about howitzers just then she's asking um do you have any issues with your hearing nowadays because of working with the howitzers and whatnot yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. We're gonna. We're gonna touch on that a bit later. But yeah, I had a severe he- hearing loss. Um, oh wow. To the point of you know, the, the government offered me thousands of dollars to get hearing aids and okay. etc. Um, so like industry deafness sort of thing. Yeah, industry. Uh, it, it makes it impossible for me to work in a oh. warehouse because I can't hear. Um, I can't hear a lot of the comments if you have to wear a headpiece. Yep. And stuff like that. I can't hear things properly. So. Okay. Well, yeah, wow. So yeah. Makes things difficult far out um wow um and if you don't mind me asking um because it's obviously part of the topic um you then went from pakapanyol you know you did your um training and whatnot and how long was it before as in from then before you were then sent over to afghanistan on deployment well um yeah so 2000 and um start i started 2006 i went through pakapanyol okay yep um yeah, and uh, from there I got sent to Brisbane, uh, which okay. I was a part of uh, First Field Regiment um, in Brisbane there. Okay. And I was uh, posted straight to 105 Medium Battery, which is, um, for those who know the Vietnam War, they were awarded a uh, presidential citation along with 6 RER. Oh, wow. For um, the Battle of Long Tan, I think it was. Okay, so, um, sorry to interrupt. Um, so you were... Um, you were going into a, you could say, world-renowned regiment, the 105 Medium, which got the Presidential Unit Citation for the Battle of Long Tan. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And it was, a, yeah, that was a night night battle. Um, oh wow! 
Yeah, so a lot of the the gunners themselves mm-hmm. were actually um, it was things were different back then. Yep. You got to keep in mind, and they were in a, a warlike scenario. But yeah, a lot of the gunners uh, were actually drunk, and they oh. were firing the bombs. Uh, six area uh, called danger close. So what that means is um, they were they were dropping bombs right on their position because they were overrun by uh, Viet Cong. Yep. And uh, yeah, the, the gunnies uh, were drunk, and they did their their job pretty well from what I've understood from Well, I mean, history. well enough to get a presidential unit citation, that's for sure. Um, yeah, that's right, yeah. And if you don't mind me asking, when you were then put into that regiment, were you then, like, you know, sort of maybe asked or forced to learn the history of that unit, or did you go out of your way to learn it yourself? Yeah, well, um, I was fortunate. I had a re- very good um, battery guide. Um, mm-hmm. That when I got posted in there, he was a real big rugby fan, and um, like he really looked after me. Uh, yep. Let me, uh, you know, I was able to represent the uh, defence force in a lot of sports and stuff like that because we got on so well, uh, and the and the rugby was such a big thing. So I got to represent uh, the defence force and touch and rugby union. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Um, okay, that's awesome. But in saying that, because it started becoming high tempo with East Timor, mm-hmm. Iraq, and Afghanistan, yep. um, I found it difficult to get released uh, to the point where I got caught in the middle quite a bit between uh, like full-blown colonels and stuff like that. Oh, wow. They were trying to get me released, and you know my um, my commanding officer needed me there, getting mm-hmm. ready deployment for war and stuff like that. So uh, it became uh, you know a little bit of problems, but as soon as, as soon as I got into um, the defence force, I was like a, yeah, you know, I was well liked. I was, I was a bit of a star when it comes to sport. Yep. And um, yeah, <laughs> I should have been on uh, two deployments prior to Afghanistan. Uh, I did seven months lead up training to East Timor, and the week yep. before, yeah, we did a uh, we did a training exercise out at Wide Bay. Okay. For three days, so Wide Bay, uh, Sunshine Coast, yep. uh, Queensland, and um, I jumped off the six beat. Yep. And broke my uh, part of my toe and a bit of my ankle. Oh, far uh, out. Yeah, because I was a part of a QRF, which is a quick reaction force. So yep. if if anything happened whilst over in Timor, we were going and we would jump in and like a SWAT team, you might as well say, for no better words. Yep. For layman's terms, so um. Yeah, and yeah, that that crushed me because whilst I was getting surgery, all my friends and my mates were over in Timor, and it was frustrating not being there with them. Mm-hmm. And so when when they all got back and they're walking around with their medals, and I, I didn't have any, it was a bit heartbreaking. And then um, a year and a half later, I was panelled for Iraq. Yep. And um, the same thing, similar happened. Oh. I did my I did my knee um, playing rugby for unit yep so i was taken off that trip so uh 2010 i got caught in oh, 2009 i got caught into the office at the start of 2009 and they said to me look you've had two trips you've been hurt we have a trip coming up 2010 yep um you're gonna have to make a decision when you want to play sport or you want to commit to this trip because that means you're going to be away f- about five months this year yep um you're going to be doing training at showwater bay okay. uh, long periods of time yep um, so I didn't play any sport in 2009. I I was away most of the year trying to get um, ready for this Afghanistan trip. And yep. um, yeah, 2010 I deployed with uh, six RER. I was attached as yep. an FO six. 
Okay. And um, yeah, spent seven months over there, um, touring around and patrolling, and twelve hour or between six to twelve hour patrols every day. Oh, far out. And yeah, it was very um, strenuous you, on the body. Did you come across any, you know, improvised explosive device hazards and, um, you know, the sort of things that you hear about on the TV, in the news, and all that? You know, um, did you unfortunately have any? Um, sort of mission sort of thing or task forces that you were part of that you know went haywire or you know in general where you sort of um i don't know maybe had to encounter enemy forces by any chance or um what was that just part of the patrols that you were doing in general and it all just sort of happened but nothing sort of kicked off too hard um well so as soon as i got into country yep um i was pretty much taken straight out uh into uh, the Mirabad and okay. Baluchi Valleys. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, and um, I was attached to I was attached to Charlie Company, okay. 31 Platoon. Yep. And um, we pretty much sat on overwatches and patrolled through villages every day for the first five months I was there. Oh, wow. Um, we did a few mobile patrols, which is in the PMVs and stuff like that. Yep. Um, and about two and a half months into um, our trip is when we first lost two soldiers. Um, oh shit! From from Alpha Company. Yep. Um, in the Mirabad village, uh, village, they two engineers, they um, them and their dogs. Oh wow. Stood on a stood on an IED and got blown up. Oh. Um, from there, mm-hmm. um, we we. We all realised, like from a personal point, yep. Because we've done so much training, nothing can prepare you for the realisation of someone dying. Yep. And that's for me. Two and a half months in is when it hit home. Yeah. Okay. The, two, the first two and a half months was like a blazer, like a. I, I was there and I was doing the job, but mentally I wasn't there. You yeah. know what I mean? So yep. I wasn't prepared for it. Yeah. And. Um, from there, the, my Charlie Company, the 31 Platoon, um, we got some intel um, on uh, some suspicious activities. Um, mm-hmm. So we um, pulled up on a hill. Um, this was in about June, yep. July. Of 2010? Uh, yeah, 2010. Yep. And um, I think it was July, sorry. Yeah. And okay. We we left half the call sign mm-hmm. um, on top of the hill over for, as Overwatch, and yep. I was a part of that team that stayed behind, mm-hmm. where my boss and the rest and the other half patrolled out. Yep. Well, I don't know what happened. If the um, the, the engineers, some IDs are impossible to detect, and before we come up on the hill, mm-hmm. the engineers sweep sweep the um the ground right yep so the engineers very very dangerous jobs when there's ieds yeah because they're out on foot and they're, they're, they're sweeping yep yep and um anyway so they swept this hill and we're up there and um unfortunately uh two of the two of the guys um one of the ieds were missed and they were doing some pt trying to stay fit mm-hmm. in the middle of a 40 degree Heat, which their 40 degree heats is like 50 degree heats over here, oh, and um, 
and one of them put their hand on a pressure plate and uh, they both got blown up and unfortunately passed away. Shit. That was a very hard day. Um, I remember we got taken back in the uh, 6RER commanding officer mm-hmm. gave, a, gave a, a speech and at this stage this is the fourth four, four people have died. Okay, so, and, this was, um, so this was another two after the previous two that you mentioned. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, oh, so okay, th- yeah. those first two would have been in, in around um, about May. Yep, yep. And, and then, then these yeah, next two were in the June, were in the July sort of thing. Yeah, July period. Yeah, okay. and um, yeah, the commanding officer, he just lost two of his soldiers, but he he was more like he'd lost his sons. You know, he broke yep. down, and yep, it was very very difficult. You could see the pain. That he was just expressing more than we were, but we were feeling it. Mm-hmm. Um, so from there, so just a quick recap. I yep. so again, I was attached to 60 hours. So my commanding officer, yes, and and uh, they, they were there and they were, they pulled us from that Charlie Company 31 platoon. Okay. To uh, they formed another. Uh, the battle group formed another platoon, which is Bravo Company. Okay. Uh, another company, sorry, Bravo Company, come and got formed. Yep. And we got taken off um, because, like I said, we'd, we'd been working pretty hard for six months. We got, and because I could drive the PMVs and the Hummers. Yep. Um, I got taken off to to be a driver. Okay. And when we weren't driving, to seek for my um my boss. So. Mm-hmm. We got taken off as a. You were sort of relieved, really more, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. It was like a relief, but it wasn't really because we we still did a lot of active patrols and stuff like that. But yep. the the danger wasn't there for the last two months of my tour okay. as much as it was for other people because yep. they were still out there doing the patrols and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But in, say, in saying that, yep. I, I actually ran over an IED in oh. in in my um, PMV. It was only a small charge and only blew the back step off. Okay. But it, Luckily. It, it, it was a, yeah, it, it was enough to, to rattle me a little bit, but, um, yep. Yeah. So, you know, it was when I come back. Um, so during this time, I, I had a, a fiance, uh, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm now married with kids, but it was a different okay. uh, woman. Okay. So when I can't, I could, uh, after those two guys from Charlie Company died, we had two more uh, from our... Uh, oh, so six all up in total now at this yeah, point. Okay, um, yeah, sorry, continue. Yeah. And that, that's just from our battle group, so there was a lot more. Yep. Um, and, yeah, um, it, it really took its toll, and um, like I haven't touched on but there was a lot of small arms contact that we okay. had when I was on patrols as well. But okay. luckily, no one actually got shot yep. during any of the patrols I was in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I said, we, we had a lot of small arm contacts. Yep. Um, but yeah, uh, it took its toll. And when I come back, I I was injured. I had leg problems. I my I broke up with my fiance. Mm-hmm. I had a hearing problems, my knees, my back. Everything was gone sort of thing. Yeah, and uh, I started to fall into uh so depression okay because i couldn't get my i couldn't get my life together yep um i started gambling started drinking mm-hmm. started treating my family like rubbish okay um it was what? a very difficult period of time 
Um, over the last, over so that first you, three sorry, years. Yeah, sorry to interrupt. I was going to say, did you come back in 2011 or late 2010? Uh, late 2010. Okay. No, November 2010, yeah. Yep. Um, and just quickly touching on that topic, um, if you don't mind me asking, as you said, it was quite, it was a few years that you dealt with all of those things after you came, came back from uh, um, your tour in Afghanistan. Um, what sort of things helped you get out of that sort of, you could say, rut and terrible time you know, emotionally and all that? Like, was it maybe Soldier On Foundation or was it, you know, through your own bootstraps sort of thing? Or was it the, the, the love of your family, etc.? Well, to, to be honest, um, for me as an individual, I I still struggle um, now. Okay. But I, um, so me and my wife, we don't, we don't sleep in the same bed because I have, like, I wake up with nightmares and... Okay, yep. Like, like uh, I'm... <laughs> I wake up and I'm up for hours in the middle of the night, like two o'clock, three in the clock of the morning. I can't sleep. I get a lot of problems of anxiety and stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, but, but Department of Veterans Affairs, like you'll hear a lot of cases that um, people didn't help. And whilst their processes are frustrating with their paperwork and stuff like that, mm -hmm. uh, as, a, as an individual, they provided everything that I needed and the, the people that helped me, my case managers and stuff like that, they were fantastic. Like, but I seen a psychiatrist every two and a half weeks to three weeks okay. for three years straight. And obviously, I'm I'm guessing that helped you a lot in the long run. Yeah, well, there's only so much talking you could do, and it was the medication, the the violent out, outburst, the angry, the the drinking, the the gambling, the, mm -hmm. the 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 depression. I was on just constant meds and meds and meds for for like like I said for five years. Oh wow. Um, yeah, and, and even now I still have, you know, every couple of months I go see my, my psychiatrist and stuff like that. My wife will tell me you're getting a bit over the top or or, or whatnot, and but I need to... is it a bit less frequent, um, as in the, yeah. the psychiatrist um, visits sort of thing? Nowadays? Yeah, it's definitely le less frequent, um, mm -hmm. and the anger's as much there, but like I said, I, I still have a lot of anxiety problems, and okay. um, the sleep is very difficult. Okay. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I got two kids, and um, and I still got a lot of injuries. Like in the photo that you, podcast. Yep. Um, that was my weight. Oh wow! In even 2011. Okay. And then from there, I've put on 30, 40 kilos. Oh far Through out. injury, through depression, um, and stuff like that. So, and as you know, with weight comes. The bearing down on those injuries would make them, them worse and harder to uh, maintain so mm -hmm. um but yeah in saying that like on remembrance day today i'm very fortunate mm -hmm. uh for, for me uh i've got a married wife so mm -hmm. uh, I, I remember the soldiers that died with with my tour but and i also remember that the world war Two and world war one veterans uh, if they wouldn't have held down and they wouldn't have done their jobs Mm -hmm. Like the Germans, if they would have won, or the Japanese would have won, we would have had a whole different lifestyle. Exactly. Where a lot of the friends we know wouldn't be their friends because the, the races would have been killed off, or or something, or, or yeah. whatnot. Exactly. So um, I'm, I'm very fortunate. People lose a lot of sight of how close this world was to becoming different. Oh, for sure. And that's why we so, need to have days like this, such as Remembrance Day and in Australia Anzac Day, and more days like that. And honestly, it's never out of the it's sometimes in the back of my mind but it's never far from my mind thinking about that sort of stuff not just on remembrance day and it's like day because 
I myself, I myself didn't serve, but I do have a lot of family that have served, such as both my parents in different services, mum in the army, dad in the navy. My mum's father was in the Korean War on a British aircraft carrier. Um, my dad's grandfather, so my great-grandfather, served in a tank in World War One. It's, it's so prevalent um, and such a big part of the history that it, it can't be ignored, in my opinion, and so that's why I feel like today is a great day to start off the awe-inspiring Aussies with with someone such as yourself who has served and sorry continue with what you were saying oh no you, you pretty much I, I was actually finished so you pretty much hit the nail on the head there it's uh, good to remember um like you said everyone that uh, all your family and everyone that actually did the job and so we can live our lives and even ones that currently aren't on you know deployment but are still actually serving you know in whether it's a kapuka or you know duntroon adfa pakapanyul um everywhere not just the army but the navy the air force even the reserves you know um it's all a big group effort and the ones that aren't deployed but are you know going through their basic training or the ones that are just based in australia regardless i just this is a big thank you to everyone who has served continues to serve unfortunately ones who have lost their lives in previous conflicts from world war one all the way up until present day it's just a, a very big you know it's bigger than us you know it's bigger than the one person is the is what i'm trying to say it's you know it's bigger than you so we need to give the, n not you in particular i mean in general um it's bigger than us so we need to you know pay homage not just to the ones that have lost their lives but the ones who continually are willing to put their life on the line such as yourself in 2010 um and such as the people who unfortunately lost their lives in 2010 and the other conflicts, etc. Yeah, 100% agree. Uh, our youth is is losing um, understanding of of this, and um, like even my son's school today, mm -hmm. they didn't do much remembrance. The teacher in his individual class had him up mm -hmm. um, and had him at a minute silence, but yep. um, other other schools around they had big um, parades and stuff, and I think the youth is getting denied the uh, that learning honesty, yeah. the learning and the, the truth the, well the, the truth is such a big factor that to the way this great country is the way it is now exactly like unfortunately war is a part of life it's there's never not going to be a conflict no matter where it is it could be a tiny little conflict you know between two nations but it could be a massive conflict where a lot of countries are involved such as in the afghanistan conflict the Iraq conflict, you know, World War Two, Korea, Vietnam, etc. There's, there's never going to be peace, um, like a hundred percent peace between every country in the world, and that's what people need to realize is that, you know, shit may kick off at some point again. You, you just never know, and you need to, you know, know the history of it. Um, well, it's funny you say that. Uh, yeah. At the start of the podcast, I, I mentioned that I was sitting at home one night watching a movie. Yep. And that, that's what. I decided right then and then that I was going to join the army, but the movie was actually called Tears of the Stunt, Sun, oh, and it was. Yeah, uh, I've seen that. I don't know if you've seen. Yeah, you, yeah, you have. So, you, so you know what it is about. Like, a, I justified my existence in Afghanistan mm -hmm. based on I believe I was there helping the Afghan because we were a mentoring task force. So we yep. were there to train the Afghanistan army yep. to be able to 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 handle this. Uh, the stuff themselves yes. and be able to fight terrorism and stuff like that. Yeah, to save so you guys having to be involved if it were to go upscale right. sort of thing. Because, um, you know, there's a lot of kids over in Afghanistan and um, I didn't touch on it before, but mm -hmm. we, we did a, a, me a medical thing. So we bring the villagers in um, to treat them. Mm -hmm. uh, we set up a big perimeter, 
protecting them, you know, so they can get treatment. Yep. And there was kids with no legs and no arms because they'd, they'd stepped on IEDs or they'd been blowing, uh, like, things left from the Russian war when the Russians were there. Yep. Um, yep. They've lost arms and legs and, and stuff like that. And it's the, it's the biggest heartbreaking thing that you see our kids, how, um, so to speak, ungrateful they are for mm. what they get. When these people, I know they live in a different, uh, like, you know, we're Western and they're like an Eastern kind of lifestyle yeah. in the third yeah. world country, but, you know, they have nothing. They build houses from mud and sticks. It, it's amazing. The Afghanistan people have my credit because they, so they've been resilient. able to live. Yeah, they're resilient. And, and the way they've been able to live for hundreds and hundreds of centuries, it's, it's amazing. Like, yeah, I, I've got nothing but respect for, for the people. But in saying that, you know, there is a lot of bad apples mm. in amongst yep. the roses there. So, And that's what you're trying to teach them to help, you know, A, be able to weed out those bad apples and be able to um, defend themselves against those said bad eggs, you know? Yeah, that, that, that's exactly right. Now, I'm just going to quickly um, get us to do a minute silence because it's Remembrance Day, etc., um, followed by a quick little outro of the last post. A minute silence. Um, yeah. Okay. Thank you very much, Kevin, for joining us. Thank you very much for serving. 
um, not just due to the deployment, but in general, regardless, willingly giving your, you know, you could say freedom um, by joining up to the Australian military, going and serving in Afghanistan. And thank you very much for sharing your story. Um, yeah, thank you very much. No problem, CJ. Thanks.